0: What is up Bitcoiners? It's CK here with Ansel for another episode of FedWatch. We have a really juicy episode for you guys here. Last week was absolutely crazy in the world of macro, in the world of traditional finance, and in the world of people waking up to Bitcoin. We have a lot to talk about here. Ansel, how you doing?
1: I'm doing great. I had a problem with the mute button there. Um, yeah, what a crazy week, man. This will be... Uh enlightening because I haven't had a chance to pick your brain about it yet. So let's get into it.
0: Well, I've been talking about it a lot. Uh, Bitcoin Magazine Happy Hour last week, the POV crypto episode that just dropped today. Um, you know, Wall Street Bets has, has been the topic of conversation, even on Bitcoin Magazine. I think we put out like three or four uh, pieces kind of commenting on uh, the correlation between Wall Street Bets, Bitcoin, and people waking up to what's wrong with the system Before we get into all of that, though, let's give a quick shout out to our sponsor. It is Blockstack, Stacks 2.0. This is a blockchain that is not trying to launch their own money, that is trying to leverage Bitcoin. They understand at Stacks that Bitcoin is going to be the de facto money of the future and that the Bitcoin blockchain security is something that you can build applications on top of. Uh, The Stacks 2.0 is a proof of transfer uh, consensus. Mechanism POX, where you can transfer your Bitcoin onto the uh, Stacks 2.0 blockchain and you can stake STX tokens on the blockchain in order to secure it but get paid out in BTC. All of the economy inside the ST uh, on the Stacks 2 blockchain is all centered around Bitcoin and it's all centered around finding new and creative ways to scale Bitcoin, build decentralized apps, and do things that other alt chains are trying to do but leverage Bitcoin instead. Uh, Really excited to uh, see this direction from the decentralized finance movement and from the uh, blockchain ecosystem. And all of that on the verge of uh, Ernst & Young announcing that they are actually completely closing out their blockchain division. So the meme of blockchain, not Bitcoin is dying. And I think that the real actions that the Stacks2 team has made in order to align their blockchain with Bitcoin is kind of proof in the pudding there. Uh, So check out Stacks2.com, that's S-T-A-C-K-T-S-2.com to learn more about all the applications that already exist and the capabilities for future development. All right, let's get into this episode. Um, So Ansel, I mean, I know that you have some really strong feelings. Uh this really got the juices flowing for you. Um, you know, what's your initial reaction to you know what went down last week?
1: I wanted to be upset about it. I wanted to be like, yeah, this is the little guy getting back at the financial system. The the banksters have driven us to the end uh of our ropes, and this is the insurrection against bankers. But uh the more I looked into it and the more I thought about it, um I kind of went the other way, uh, on my feelings. So those were my initial thoughts.
0: So let's talk about that, uh, that thought process. Like why isn't this, the little guy stepping up against the suits? Why is, why is there more to this story?
1: Well, because, um, you know, what was their goal? What was their, how did they think that this was going to end? Right. Uh, if the if they crashed the entire financial system, like I kind of thought uh, this turned into something akin to a Lehman moment where the clearinghouses were going to go bankrupt. And if that happened, um, you know, this there would need to be massive bailouts and and they would probably lose a lot of money on their trades or whatever. Like th- this wasn't going to end up with the Wall Street bet community, the, the small retail investor coming out on top. Any way you played it out uh, you're by playing their game, yes, this was an evolution of tactics. It was a new vector uh, to attack the system, uh, and it's a credible threat now in the future, but I don't think that it is uh, could ever have led to the little guy winning and so that that's that's kind of what I've come to think about this. What do you think
0: no, I mean I think that that's a great. Uh, insight there and this is where you know bitcoiners got excited because of the kind of energy around this the screw the suits type of mentality but ultimately i think most bitcoiners saw that hey you're playing by their game like this is not a real way to you know take down the system in a productive way. And this is why Bitcoin is better. Um, This is what Bitcoin is a completely alternative system, a system that is being built simultaneously um, adjacent to uh, the traditional system. And it is a much better tool to, I guess, you know, crash the current system. I also think that, you know, like you said, the Wall Street bets intention wasn't to take down the system. It wasn't to destroy these clearing houses and to take down the dollar. It was a lot more like, hey, there's an opportunity to moon this stock. uh, You know, these suits you know, have gravely misunderstood what they're doing. And this is an opportunity to make money. Uh, Again, I have a friend who uh, did make a lot of money in this trade and he's not a Bitcoiner. Like he does not have the, you know, he's more like screw the suits, but not screw the system. That's kind of his, uh, his mentality. Uh, So uh, it's very different.
1: Well, Bitcoin has an, an end game, right? The, the Morpheus and Neo meme where Neo's like, Oh, so it's going to be worth a million dollars someday. Um, or I can sell this for a million dollars someday. And Morpheus says, no, one day you won't have to. So there, there's an end game. Bitcoin is money. Bitcoin will be used as money in the future. Uh, but for GameStop stock, like the, what's the end game? You're going to have to sell it at some point. And you you want the exchanges to be solvent when you do that. So it, it's to me, it's kind of like there, there wasn't a – there was no forethought in it. They just – yeah, like you said, they wanted to um, – I guess, stick it to the hedge funds and try to moon a stock. And there was no like thought process, but like I said, this is now a a viable option or viable threat in the future that we, as the little guy can use against the system. And they're going to have to um, acknowledge the power that people have. It's, It's a new power that, that, People now have woken up to this, along with Bitcoin, obviously, uh, is waking up a lot of people and making them take note for sure.
0: Well, I mean, you know, Bitcoiners are kind of like this cyber hornet, you know, really, if you could make an argument, it's like all of these like little meme traders, you know, scouring the Internet looking for market opportunities Um they're, they're kind of like the white blood cells of the traditional system, right? There's all these hedge funds kind of doing their thing, acting bad, taking advantage. And now they need to really tread lightly. Like they can't do something that is going to expose themselves to limitless risk. Um, and we already seen some hedge funds saying that they're going to stop shorting. Um, so just because of that unlimited risk that comes with shorting. Um, so uh, I do see, you know, I see this game, something as being the market correcting bad trades made by traditional finance. And that's why when I see the regulators and other folks like that, um, you know, kind of saying like, Oh, this is manipulation. These meme traders are the bad guys, all this kind of stuff, like the narrative that's being spun, uh, from the top down, um, I don't think it's correct. And we've seen calls for more regulation. And it's like, yo, th- your regulation didn't stop these hedge funds from taking unlimited risk. You know, the market stopped them. The market is the one who made them pay. Um, so uh, you just, you know, we've talked about this many times before, but, you know, regulation doesn't <laughs> necessarily solve problems. Uh, if anything, it, it, it creates more problems.
1: Yeah, it's well in a great financial crisis, right? They They didn't include more than like a 1% default rate in their mortgages because they said, oh, that could never happen, right? And then, of course, they had like a 5% default rate and shit hit the fan. Same thing, like no one would ever try to pump game stock to $100, don't they understand that the fair market value is $5 for this stock? So it just didn't go into their calculations. And yeah, it's, it's a complete game changer in that way. People are going to have to um, evaluate their risk, All through the market. And that, that could have far reaching consequences on many different, uh, many different markets, many different asset classes, everything.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there were a few kind of like opinion articles talking about is GameStop taking Bitcoin's thunder is are these shitcoins um you know really going to like overwhelm Bitcoin and to Bitcoiners it was laughable but I definitely think that some people who don't understand Bitcoin uh could buy these things but now seeing today today is February 2nd um GameStop stock is under $100 it has completely deflated uh we've seen Dogecoin pump and then completely deflate you know these things are shit coins. And if you look at Bitcoin compared to other assets, Bitcoin is literally in the top, I think it's in the top 15 of largest assets by market cap in terms of like, in terms of stocks, right? So if you were to compare Bitcoin to, to stocks, like Bitcoin's a large cap, even, even compared to Apple, even compared to Netflix, even compared to the SP, SPY, um, S&P 500 index, you know, Bitcoin has an enormous amount of uh, market cap to it. uh, And, it really, I think Bitcoin is real, and a lot of people don't quite understand the difference between Bitcoin and some small cap stock that you can pump. Just because Bitcoin does also have that ref, reflexivity and massive volatility factor, it is a massive asset, regardless of that.
1: Yeah, and when you saw the this kind of mania leak over into crypto, it went into Dogecoin, the small like one of the smallest, easiest pumpable coins. It didn't go into Bitcoin with a five or what is it? Five or six, $600 billion market cap. Now it's, it's much harder to move. And we saw when they tried to do it in silver too, I don't know if we're going to get into that, but uh, with the silver uh, they tried to pump it and it, what, it went up $2 from 27 to $29. And then uh, there is a large premium on this, the physical right now, but they couldn't really move silver And I don't think they would be able to really move Bitcoin either. Um, Bitcoin is, it's grown up in the wild. What was that uh, Andreas thing about how Bitcoin is exposed to the internet? And that is what makes it robust, right? The defenses of Bitcoin are very robust because it's exposed out there. It's decentralized. There's no um, regulator to take care of it and protect it. So it had to grow really thick roots where... Uh, so I think if if these guys come and try to pump Bitcoin uh, unduly, then it will uh, blow up in their faces really quick. I don't think they can do what they did to GameStop to Bitcoin is what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I think that GameStop absolutely kind of showed a path to success for how the little guy can – Stack Bitcoin and eventually take so much off the market that, you know, whatever hedge funds, whatever big player out there who's short or is not holding their own keys or whatever can hit some sort of massive liquidity crisis. Like, I think that there was a lot of like, the get the bitcoin you know three to five year game plan that kind of got a little preview from watching gme uh but with that being said it needs to be a much more significant effort and you know me you all the bitcoiners listening to this podcast you know we are we are the stackers of last resort we're the ones who are taking supply off the market and we are putting it into cold storage and we don't plan on selling until you know you don't have to sell just like that that uh that morpheus meme
1: Well, I think that Bitcoin would be much harder to do this to than some other stock or some small altcoin. So I think that they would rather go against something that they know that they're going to be able to do this against versus Bitcoin. Um, I just don't see, I think actually, you know, one of the worries early on with CME futures um, was this exact thing that happened to GameStop. So Petterfee, he's like the founder of interactive brokers and he said that Bitcoin is so volatile that when it, when it goes up, it could bankrupt the clearinghouse. So that was his exact worry. Um, and this is played out now with GameStop. But at this point, um, Bitcoin's kind of infrastructure is set up uh, very robustly. And I don't think that it would um, fall prey to the same sort of thing. There's a lot of easier stuff out there to go after than Bitcoin. So I think that they would do that instead.
0: So, I mean, what do you think that this means for, you know, this kind of market activity and how Bitcoin plays into it? Because I think a lot of Bitcoiners were extremely excited. A lot of Bitcoiners Mm -hmm. were like, this is the same that can happen with Bitcoin. We need to use Bitcoin to do the same thing. It'll work better. Um, You know, where, like, how do you kind of see, you know, this change in market mentality fitting into the Bitcoin revolution?
1: Well, I see that the two major stories from this year have been the Capitol, right? The Capitol riots, and now this GameStop thing, at least in my world. And so, um, but what are those two things, what do they display for us? Well, the Capitol riots were 50 pretty much unarmed people were able to terrify the living daylights out of the highest... legislature in the land right that the congress uh it to me it, it exposed the congress as very weak people like they're supposed to be protecting us but 50 unarmed people you know they thought they were going to get all massacred and stuff like they were just uh, totally frightened. So I think it exposed a weakness in government's ability to protect themselves, let alone protect us. And so I think that's kind of a subconscious wake up call for people. Now in this, the Wall Street bets thing, it's kind of like um, exposing the weakness of the financial system. So where the capital rights expose the weakness of the government, now the financial system weakness is exposed to uh, just a bunch of guys on Reddit. So um, I don't know, I think that these two stories this year kind of show the weakness in the system, the existing system that we have now. And uh, that totally plays into where Bitcoin comes in because Bitcoin is supposed to be building the infrastructure, the parallel system, the alternative for people to go to. So um, yeah, I think Bitcoin uh, it's holding strong at th- uh, $30,000 You know, we have Taproot coming out. There's there's a lot of stuff happening right now on Bitcoin. It's just very robust in the face of this weakness on the other side. So I think it does put Bitcoin in a very good light.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think that the way that you teased out these kind of two events is showing the fragility in both like our leadership uh, as a, in the United States in particular. And then uh, like, you know, even the mentality of folks like last night, AOC was on Instagram uh, uh, on uh, like Instagram live talking about her experience. And okay, yeah, it was traumatic. But at the same time, you know, she's not the type of person that is going to ride on the horse leading an army. Like, that's pretty freaking obvious that, you know, the the moment was very, very frightening to her and she was extremely scared. Like, you know, that's not the type of leader that she is.
1: Um, Well, yeah. And I'm sure that that's consistent with others. Do you want to follow a victim or do you want to follow a hero? somebody that, is, that never plays the victim that, that always is um, very positive. That's why I think Trump was very popular because um, he didn't play the victim and, and all these people, well, he play. did
0: play the victim. He was, he was always crying. I don't like, I mean, I think Trump fooled people, but I think that he's just as yes. much of a coward and a product of the fiat system as any of these other politicians too. I just think that he yes. was trying to tap into the energy that is real and the 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 demand for, uh, you know, truth and leadership and, uh, and, you know, effectively the opposite of what the swamp represented. But he himself was also part of the swamp. So I I don't know. I I, I don't like to be to glorify Trump in any way, because I just think that he is also an utter coward and also an utter loser and also an utter crybaby. But all of these damn politicians are. That's why Bitcoin.
1: Um, yes, but you can but see yeah, how. Yeah, I
0: mean, I think your analysis was still spot on. You know, breaking down like, hey, there's, there's these, you know, there's these obvious weaknesses. There's no leadership, and that is true for the financial system. That's true for political system. That's true for likely all of our systems, all of our uh, infrastructure.
1: Yeah, I, I point taken. But while, and I'm not, I didn't vote for Trump. I didn't vote for anybody. But um, if you can see the difference between. AOC cowering from 50 unarmed people versus Trump out there giving a speech, rallying people, right? So there's a big difference in how they played the game and uh, at least in my mind. And so people don't want to follow the victim. How is the victim going to protect you if they can't even protect themselves? That's what I'm trying to say is that people see the weakness of the system. And um, yeah, I think that's going to make people think like, we need to take things more into our own hands. And so that's what I want to see. I want to see people uh, taking their freedom in their own hands, making their own way in life. And you can't do that when you're playing by other people's rules. And that includes the stock market. That includes you know, putting money into your pension fund instead of buying Bitcoin. So um, I'm, I hope people uh, take responsibility.
0: I'm not a big fan of 401ks. I'm not a big, big fan of, um, you know, these tax beneficial accounts because I understand the true, honest trade offs that you're making. Like, yeah, it's tax deferred. Yeah, you get all these benefits, but, you're playing by their rules, like, and they can change the the rules when it's convenient to them. And they've shown that already. Like, I'm a millennial, people who are millennials know that they're not going to get their social security. Like that's a fact. Like, when is it? When is it going to be like, we know that we're not going to get our tax diverse status on our 401k savings, right? Um, And uh, again, that's why I like Bitcoin, like Bitcoin is something that you can truly own, like ownership in Bitcoin is a new level of ownership that pretty much didn't exist before.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, what did you think about Elon Musk and his bio uh, hashtag Bitcoin?
0: Man, I mean, Elon Musk really knows how to meme. That's all I have to say. Um, (laughs) I've been hearing rumors of him, you know, being interested in Bitcoin, like he's obviously teased Bitcoin, he's teased Dogecoin, he's teased things like that. I think it's extremely bullish. Like he is the most wealthy man in the world. Uh, Theoretically, he is woke, um, you know, We've seen him, you know, leave California, go to Texas. We've seen him being interested in uh, the oil and gas industry in Texas. He's obviously inter- interested in uh, the energy, energy industry. So there's so many uh, symmetries between what he's building with uh, with Tesla, with SpaceX, what he has built with uh, PayPal, and then now Bitcoin, uh, and then the fact that you know, he deleted everything on his bio and just put hashtag Bitcoin. And now he said he's leaving Twitter and has not changed that. Like that's like, he's effectively turned himself into a Bitcoin meme warrior, just like Michael Saylor, just like Jack Dorsey. And I mean, I keep saying this, Bitcoin gets it all. Like you think like there's literally nothing that Bitcoin does not get. Like people will willingly give Bitcoin everything. And it's so incredibly bullish to see some of the most powerful men in the current system bending to Bitcoin.
1: Yeah, um, but don't you think it exposes a little bit of weakness in the market when just a simple thing like changing his bio can pump the price 20% in an hour?
0: I mean, maybe you... And then crash. Maybe you see that as weakness. I mean, there's just so much volatility here and so much misunderstanding around Bitcoin. But ultimately the amount of Bitcoins that are circulating, you know, that the marginal price that is being reflected there is a very small amount of the total Bitcoin supply. Um, and I just think there's more and more people who are buying into and becoming hodlers of last resort who, you know, they're only taking supply off the market. Who, in my opinion, this is why I think the, the GameStop thing is very much kind of like a preview to what Bitcoin's going to do. It's like Bitcoin is both hyper liquid and hyper scarce at the same time. And uh, as soon as there are significant influxes or changes in demand, like we're going to see Bitcoin's price, you know, become extremely volatile to the upside
1: but every action has a reaction. So I don't want to see uh, extreme volatility, to the upside. I want a nice steady, you know, maybe 50% gains every year or something, instead of a, a pump where like in December where we pumped, what was it? Three X within a month. It was and a lot. Ne- yeah. And then we've had s- significant pullbacks. And I don't think necessarily this pullback is done. We'll have to see how that turns out, but um, yeah, it's, I I don't think my initial reaction when I woke up in the morning and I saw the the price had shot up like that after Elon, um, I was disappointed. I I really didn't – I thought Bitcoin was um, a deeper market than that to react like that. And so I don't think that was a – it was kind of a negative to me.
0: I don't know. But again, like this is an extremely powerful, influential individual – saying putting his rubber stamp on bitcoin in a big way i don't know i i i have a lot more optimistic you know like he's the richest man in the world in a Big way. every single other person under him is less in terms of you know at least his buying power
1: yeah but he had dogecoin on there at one point
0: yeah but th- that was obviously a joke and then he went on to he went on to coin death or he went on to clubhouse and he said like yeah doge is a joke but i feel like um uh, even though I'm late to Bitcoin, uh, you know, it's on the verge of being, uh, gaining mass adoption and mass acceptance. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. I, like, I think that the market was able to tell that he's serious. Like he, he mm-hmm. actually is, is putting his stamp on Bitcoin. And again, like, I think, you know, Bitcoin scarcity is something that will destroy markets. It will destroy clearing houses. Yeah. It, will wreck people until Bitcoin fully becomes a legitimate asset. And once Bitcoin fully becomes viewed as a legitimate asset um, by the general public, then we're going to see that consistent just up. But until that happens, there's just going to be the, the volatility that's created by the asymm- asymmetric uh, knowledge about what Bitcoin is and how, uh, you know, Bitcoin is going to play into the future.
1: Yeah, I agree with all that. Um, I remember that analogy of bitcoin being a oil tanker or something that it just takes a long time to turn an oil tanker they can't just turn on a dime uh so i thought bitcoin was getting to be more like that but elon the elon uh, drama made me a little bit disappointed in bitcoin but hey we'll see we'll see how it goes it's don't be wrong.
0: disappointed man the volatility is part of the value prop volatility yeah. is part of the fireworks. And I mean, I've already like, we've seen people say like, Oh, Bitcoin's boring. Cause it's too, it's not volatile enough. So, uh, I, I, as soon as you think Bitcoin's not volatile enough, it's going to rear it's uh, beautiful volatile head around.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's good to get headlines and that's good to get adoption in a way. Right. But, uh, once you want to go to the next level, like, and become money, money is not going to be that volatile, right? It's not, um, once it gets up there in market cap, it's it should lose volatility. That if it doesn't, then we have problems.
0: But it that has and I would argue that has been losing volatility. Like Bitcoin back in the day, I'm sorry to the Bitcoiners, but it was truly a shitcoin. Like there was oh, absolutely there was periods in Bitcoin's history where it was a shitcoin. Uh, and it's much, much less volatile now than it is back then. And I mean, you can see it in the you know OG Bitcoiners that have now become shitcoiners. They were always there for the shitcoining. They were shitcoiners since day one. Bitcoin was a shitcoin. Bitcoin acted that way. It was extremely volatile. They could manipulate it like it, it scratched their itch. And then as soon as Bitcoin evolved past that, they couldn't get over it. And hence why they detracted to, to shitcoining. Um, so I don't know. I, like, again, you've well, been here for a long time. But, you know, I, I would say that throughout my four years here, like I've seen Bitcoin become less volatile, more legitimate. Yeah. But yet it's still extremely uh, misunderstood. It still is extremely scarce. And volatility is still part of the short to medium term adoption cycle, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I would say that Bitcoin did act like a shit coin. But Bitcoin, it was never an actual shitcoin. coin. Right.
0: Sure, I'll, I'll I'll make that correction. Yeah. Shame on me. Shame on me <laughs> to speak
1: ill of of Bitcoin. Yeah. All right. Where are we going next, man? Oh, you're muted. Let's get a little bit more analysis
0: on the silver thing. Uh, I haven't been following it as closely. It just seemed like all of a sudden that the silver hashtag silver squeeze was the new narrative. Um, although it, I don't, you know, I just don't know that much details about. Um, you know, what was kind of going on in the background?
1: Well, I don't know a ton either. It came out over the weekend and, you know, this last weekend. And a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people have been talking about this for 10 years about trying to crash uh, J.P. Morgan by longing silver, right? This was the Max Kaiser uh, meme of buy silver, crash J.P. Morgan. And this fit with the narrative of, the little guy getting back at banks for wall street bets. And so I kind of thought it, it, it there was something to it. Um, for example, Dogecoin that didn't fit. I don't think that matched their kind of narrative. So um, I don't know uh, if that was specifically part of this wall street bet sort of uh, pump game that they have going on, but silver, I thought might do that. Um, and it did pump $2 at open um, but then it stopped and it's kind of reversed a little bit since then. Uh, and they haven't been able to make a dent. So if, if Bitcoin is bigger than silver, the silver market cap, then yeah, I would expect something similar. That's why I said I don't think they can do that with Bitcoin. Um, but Bitcoin's not anyways. bigger than
0: silver right now.
1: It isn't? I thought silver no. was only like $100 billion market cap.
0: We could double Didn't check not have to that. Google that. Yeah, let's do it right now.
1: Yeah, 1.57
0: trillion. Oh
1: yeah,
0: 1.57. So, we're not there not quite there yet.
1: Still Bitcoin will be there very shortly.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was speaking to Lynn Alden a while back uh about how she, her mental model for Bitcoin is and she sees Bitcoin in a similar place in her portfolio as silver. Strangely enough, Bitcoin and silver's stock to flow prior to this past having. We're about identical. So theoretically, this is the halving where Bitcoin kind of goes from being on silver's level as a monetary asset to being on gold's level as a monetary asset. So uh, we should see that transition in the next you know, two to three years.
1: Well, silver's not even a monetary asset anymore, right? It's, um, it's losing its monetary premium as fast as Bitcoin is gaining it.
0: Yep. Well, and and you could theoretically argue that gold is in the same boat too. Everything is in the same yeah. boat, in, in terms of losing monetary value and store of value, store of value, um, you know, characteristics uh, compared to Bitcoin. Absolutely. So That's I all mean, I have. Yeah, I mean, let's let's talk a little bit. Like, how do we how do we get non Bitcoiners to kind of see bitcoin as a more and more legitimate way to you know kind of free themselves of the suits free themselves of the man right that's what bitcoin is to us to bitcoiners people who've gone down down that rabbit hole but like what is it going to take for like you know i was telling you about my friend who made a lot of money on GME. like he's still a fiat apologist like he still doesn't buy into the bitcoin thing despite what happened Right, Despite any of the emotions and feelings of betrayal and anger that um, were invoked last week, like what is it going to take?:
1: Well, I don't think that Bitcoin is necessarily for the unbanked that old that old meme. I don't think Bitcoin necessarily is for the small guys versus the suits. Bitcoin is for everybody. Uh, I think that bitcoin will will attract um, first people that are savvy in the way of economics and and money. And I think that has happened because the Austrians got in, the gold bugs got in and, and that stuff like that. Um, also, also, cypherpunks that are into cryptography and privacy. So it's going to uh, attract people like that first. But uh, on a, like a class comparison, the retail investor versus the institutional investor, I think they're, they're going to find it at a similar rate. Uh, so I'd, I wouldn't think of it as kind of a class thing. Well, I mean,
0: we, we, we're living in a world that is more and more being defined by class conflict. Like how does, like, is that a good, like, is that going to be a bad thing for Bitcoin adoption that, you know, both classes can kind of look at Bitcoin as the enemy because it doesn't actually take down their enemy? Like you know, do you, do you kind of get what I'm saying? Like I could see the suits looking at Bitcoin and being like, this is a vile thing that takes away our privilege. And then on the flip side, I could see, you know, the populace kind of looking at Bitcoin and be like, all the suits already got in on this thing. Like the distribution is, mm. you know, crap, whatever, you know, you know all rich white guys are the ones who who have all the supply and we need to do something else. Like, how do you feel about like those kind of like two, like that that kind of double edged, narrative that can kind of come at Bitcoin from the fact that it, de- it is for everyone and it's not, uh, you know, favoring one class over the other.
1: I, I don't know. I haven't really thought too much about uh, that because Bitcoin is such a individual, like the, the incentives affect the individual the most. So I've used the example of a guy in a banker in the boardroom They're going to come to a consensus on the board that Bitcoin isn't for them, but then that guy's going to go home and buy Bitcoin. Um, I think it's going to work like that slowly, but surely until there's a very sizable percentage of people that own it. And then it's going to be a race. Uh, So, but I also think that the poor people in general, poor people in general, they are less good with money. That's one reason why they're poor most likely. And so, uh, they are not going to they 're most likely going to be late to the party the The people that you want to see getting on board are the richer people because yes, there are corrupt, rich people there are bad evil rich people but but managers, really good managers are rich people. So I would say most rich people are rich because they provide, they produced something. They provide a value to, to the economy. Um, Most there, there are some, of course, in the system that it's corrupt system. So there's, there's lots of unearned wealth out there, but uh, I would say still, for the most part, um, most rich people are rich because they earned it. So um, I would expect them to see the value in Bitcoin first versus people that aren't good with money. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Um, how much of, you know, poor people not being good with money is a cause of poor, you know, kind of poor educational infrastructure, poor education about money and lack of access and lack of credit. Like Pierre Richard came onto POV crypto, um, you know, during the riots and he really broke down how the fiat money system, you know, really creates like these kind of like uh, these barriers to entry based on things like credit score, the right neighborhoods, things like that. And the only thing that's accessible to everyone is cash. And that's the thing that is being deteriorated the fastest. That's the thing that's being, uh, you know, that is on the bottom of the totem pole in terms of, you know, the the financial stack. Uh, so Bitcoin as the best money in the world that anyone can buy into, like I, I see it as a way to unlock human capital. And yeah, maybe, um, maybe there's people who have a disadvantage because of their uh, financial status and their education levels. But eventually, you know, Bitcoin will be there for them as well, especially as the fiat system continues to marginalize them. You know, this is also a two-part thing. Like, hey, they have this education gap, they have this knowledge gap, this skill gap, but they're also being marginalized at the most significant rate as well. And that kind of pushes them towards Bitcoin. You look at where Bitcoin ATMs are at, they're all in low-income neighborhoods because guess what? They can't get bank accounts anywhere else. Bitcoin is their bank account. It's the only thing that's saying yes, that is liquid.
1: Yeah, there's obviously some uh, effect of, that money has on people, the time preference uh, of society, and it does uh, form certain, I would say, institutions within society that uh, favor certain behavior other, over other behavior. But there's also, um, I think, valuing wealth in money itself is not a necessarily the best way to go about it, right you if you have your health, you have your family, you have uh you know things you enjoy in life that that type of stuff is um, priceless in a way, and we don't necessarily value uh, our lives in that. We think of poor people as not having money, but maybe they have other good things in life right but uh, I, it's it's a hard question to peel apart and i I don't know how to answer it other than that.
0: Yeah, I mean, a subject for another podcast, and uh, maybe we can have a Bitcoin Magazine podcast where we kind of get a little bit more um, heady with the conversation. But keeping this on the subject of macro and FedWatch. Um, what's kind of your medium to short-term look on Bitcoin? Like, obviously you're a little disappointed, uh, with the Elon pump, uh, Bitcoin kind of went close. It was like 37, then crashed back down to 32. Um, you know, today is the second, um, and Bitcoin is back up to 35, you know, what, what's your TA on Bitcoin? Um, how do you kind of see the market continue to develop in the short term?
1: Well, I thought that Bitcoin needed a significant pullback and we've gotten that, but, uh, there was also, I thought it was going to go lower, but the other option is that you can just stretch it out with time. So if we just stay right around, you know, the mid thirties for another few weeks, that could be enough to relieve this kind of need for accumulation or consolidation. And then we can go up higher. I thought the wall street bets thing was going to affect the market more than it did, um, Seems the S and P is right back in its normal channel. The oil is pumping today, so that is um, uh, a good sign for for stocks in general. the The dollar is breaking out uh, too, though, so we have to see how that will affect the markets. A strong dollar will affect the um, how that will affect the markets in the next few weeks. But if that does continue and the dollar goes up um, significantly, then it it will definitely provide pressure on the markets in general and maybe even Bitcoin too. So we will, we'll have to see how that develops.
0: Uh, One of my favorite metrics is the mayor multiple. It just kind of gives you a really good understanding of, you know, where Bitcoin's price is compared to, um, you know, the last 200 days. Um, And right now the mayor multiple is at two Um, historically Mm -hmm. accumulation should happen anywhere under 2.4. Uh, of the mayor multiple, so uh yeah, we really need to stretch out this thirty k price point, so the two hundred day moving average can catch up to it because right now the price point is double the two hundred day moving average, which you know is signaling that yeah historically it's still good accumulation time, but it is expensive like this is the tupper, upper echelon or the upper level of uh what is acceptable a kind of bitcoin accumulation time uh so uh either time or kind of reverting a little closer back to the mean uh, i I could see that as being very healthy
1: yeah um i don 't know if this is a good place to put it, but I was doing some uh, a little bit of research on um, pr- the previous mark the previous bull cycle and how we always had the 30% to 40% pullbacks. And it was just interesting that that was about the amount of margin in the system. So you had a lot of people 3X, because Bitfinex offered up to 3X leverage and they, they, when they were one of the bigger exchanges. And so the 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 one-third move, 33%, squeezed the longs or squeezed the shorts. Um And it's very interesting that that it was marked off the top. So now, if you put that into today's context, um, you know, again, I think that the we crashed just under thirty percent. So another uh, five to ten percent lower would be um, right in line with historical and right in line with the overall kind of uh, margin in the system.
0: Very interesting. I, I mean, okay. I think the uh, the idea of margin uh, it plays a really big role and you know, margin made a, played a big role in the GME thing. And I think that margin is going to continue to play a really big role in Bitcoin's history and uh, future price action. So uh, part of Bitcoin, I think, is destroying margin. Like that's kind of like the, uh, the long game for Bitcoin is uh, destroying the ability to margin or, or to kind of have that kind of leverage. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that the, the kind of connection there is valid and interesting.
1: Right on, right on. What do we got? Anything left? Is that yeah, it I, think,
0: week? I think I think it's a good place to uh, to wrap it up. Uh, next week, guys, we have Nick Batia coming on. Extremely excited. So excited. You need to be reading his book, Layered Money. Um, you need to listen to all the podcasts that he's done since dropping the book, Layered Money. Uh, and yeah, you need a, you need to follow Nick because you know he has a very very good understanding of the current financial system and a, a beautiful kind of uh, vision for how Bitcoin can uh, evolve into filling the gaps um, that the current financial system is eventually going to leave. Um, But yeah, until then, make sure to uh, check out this podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the FedWatch Bitcoin and Macro podcast feed. Uh, This is the second episode that is not on the Bitcoin Magazine podcast feed. It's on its own FedWatch uh, feed. Uh, Of course, we're on YouTube. So if you're on YouTube, go over to your podcast player, subscribe to our feed. Uh, We need to get as many of the previous listeners onto This podcast as possible. Um, But yeah, until then, follow me at CK underscore snarks. You can find me at Bitcoin Magazine as well. Um, We just moved Bitcoin 2021 to Miami, June 4th and 5th. The excitement around that has been absolutely unbelievable. We have sold an enormous amount of tickets the last two days, and uh, I, I believe that you know, we've had thousands of people interacting with uh, our Twitter and other marketing. So uh, keep an eye out for that, b.tc backslash conference if you want to learn more. Uh, we're going to have guys like Chamath, Nick Zabo, um, Jack Dorsey all speaking at the event. So uh, very, very exciting stuff. Ansel, where can people find out more about you?
1: Um, at, at Ansel Lindner and Bitcoininmarkets.com, uh, I'm just up the road from Miami so I uh, might be making it this year.
0: Let's go. Well, you know you got a ticket on Bitcoin magazine. Everyone else, go check out the, go check out B.TC backslash conference to get your ticket. We are selling tickets like crazy and there's a very very much a hard cap on how many people can actually attend the event. So uh, don't be late. A quick reminder that all of the content in this episode is for informational and entertainment purposes only. You should not construe the information as legal, tax, investment, financial, or any other advice. Nothing contained in this presentation constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, or offer by BTC Media, the Left Talk Bitcoin Podcast Network, or any third-party service provider, to buy or sell securities or any other financial instruments. Do your own research.